0: The Big Red Couch, a podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pictures to you. Good evening, listener, and welcome to The Big Red Couch. Here in sunny, oh so sunny, so ridiculously, ridiculously sunny England, I am Craig. And on the other side of the world... Brr, uh, yep, it It's Ben. yeah see you know i feel a little bit bad for going with that whole so ridiculously sunny bit but um the fact that one it's sunny in england none of my stories like the the storybooks or anything about england from my youth prepared me for this possibility at all and secondly it's really sunny when everybody's shut indoors
1: indeed and to be fair it's not not been sunny auckland has had the least rain it's had for a really long time it's just turned cold, and not not you know not northern hemisphere or you know South Island real cold. It's just there's a certain point in New Zealand's building culture where they decided that insulation was was for wimps. Yeah, yeah, it is, especially uh, especially in rental properties. So it's we're um, currently doing the, uh, the 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 dance of the open home most Sundays to see if we can find ourselves a place that is, uh, not basically like one of those tin biscuit boxes. <laughs> hmm.
0: So, better insulation than a dollhouse. That's, that's really the bar that you're trying to clear here. That
1: would be ideal, at least, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So, wonderful. Here we are on, on the big red couch. So, a lot of podcasts lead with some sort of mission statement or some reminder that maybe you're a first-time listener and this is what the actual podcast is about. I, I guess we have an intro, but it's non-specific and is slightly out of date. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we're going to update it. That sounds like galloping effort.
0: So, so much work.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> but yes, we uh, we draw random ideas like attempt to come up with role-playing game pitches that we'd hope that people might want to play. And, you know, if they, if they get really out of hand, we might actually make. But mm, haven't have, we haven't closed out that, that particular part of the hypothesis yet, have we?
0: I don't think anybody has been caught specifically running a game that we have pitched. I think people have taken stuff that we have pitched and kind of put their own spin on things. Which is ideal.
1: We'd love to mm. hear about that, of course. I'm often seized by the very brief impulse to, like, manifest something in the world but then again i realize i have to edit the episode <laughs> and uh time gets away from me so uh that's that's our deal but so this week what is our amazing pitch prompt s- statement what are we going for
0: this time round? the prompt is power drift
1: mm-hmm.
0: now i haven't actually noted down who that one came from that's
1: got to be just Dave and the Thursday Gamers of Montreal, because and I think it's the last one of the a, a spate of two-word prompts that they sent us a long time ago. Many of which I found really, really interesting and enjoyable. Just for the the that the, the little dichotomy thing. I think,
0: yeah, I think Apollo Rising was one of theirs, which was a a personal favourite of mm. mine.
1: Gravity Princess was was another one, which was uh, we came up with some. Oh yeah. Some fairly awesome ideas involving hammer-shaped um, space stations and classism and zero gravity.
0: I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that because I've got literally no memory of that episode.
1: We have been doing this for a while and we are getting old and frail. So, yep,
0: that's, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Particularly at the moment. Hmm. So frail.
1: <laughs> so worn, and sickly.
0: Well, i on a call at work today because we have... Yeah, everybody is locked down. We're all communicating by video conferencing. That gets a little weird at times. But they've had an upgrade to the system so that rather than having a maximum of four people's images on the screen, you can now have nine people's images in this 3 by 3 grid, which immediately (laughs) reminded me of the start of the Brady Bunch. (laughs) And so I mentioned this and asked whether anybody else had spotted it. And you could kind of see a range of responses from the people who have seen that show,
1: and the people who are aware old. of that
0: show, <laughs> and then the younger people who were just thinking, what the hell is this old bearded foreigner talking about?
1: Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear.
0: And in that moment, my soul died just a little.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, and speaking of people's soul dying just a little. <laughs> Good segue, question mark. I don't know, I'm going somewhere with this. Oh yeah, brilliant segue. Yeah. Speaking of terrible segues, um, speaking of people's soul dying just a little, in the gaming world, probably the big thing that happened this week, at least from my incredibly self-centred point of view, is that Gen Con was officially cancelled. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Indeed, Yeah. yeah. Nobody apart from everyone saw that one coming. I say this week. This is this week as we recorded. It's quite a while ago by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, I think everybody was expecting that. I don't think there was any way they could have not cancelled because jokes about gamer stench and gamer hygiene aside, reluctantly because, come on, they're funny. There's just no way you could really do an event like that with 70,000 people crammed into hotels and convention centres and hallways and Starbucks and not just create the ultimate viral breeding ground. I mean, this is basically battle royale for viral strains.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. It would be difficult and weird enough to do social distancing rules in as much as they are effective inside a building with recirculated air for one group. I expect that when they have spaces, they have a large open spaces that they fill with gamers, things get pretty cosy. It's been a long time since I've been anything near a, um, that sort of format of, uh, of game.
0: Yeah, depending on the room and the space and the specific layout, there are some rooms that get, like I said, there is always the gag about gamer funk and the unwashed, uh, unwashed gamer and jokes of, Unkind jokes about spraying people down with, with deodorant. I think the fact of the matter is that when you cram 50 people into a room, there isn't an air conditioning system that will realistically cope with that very well. Yeah.
1: And I think for the, the actual health issue is that you know it's not like people are being very quiet and not, not passing things from, from, from hand to hand and um, oh yeah, and you know exhaling into people's general directions. It's just not a great idea so yes um they hopefully they'll be able to do some online stuff. There's likely to be at least some options there in mean, my own online game we've got, we've actually gained a third player weirdly enough from your general neck of the woods, so yes, I'm now running a three country blades in the dark game online, and it's oof, getting a new player up to speed was pretty successful i was very tired by the end of the last session having gone four <laughs> hours and yeah it's been it's been pretty enjoyable it is not the same thing as you know gaming in person but beats the hell out of not gaming so hopefully they can do some stuff there
0: mm, i think there are plans yeah i mean, i always find that gaming online does tire me out a hell of a lot more but i've always suspected that's just because my hearing isn't great and so mm. I'm having to strain to understand what people are saying a lot more when I can't basically see how their lips are moving.
1: Mm. Yep. You can have cameras and so forth makes it a little little bit easier. And I think it's also that you, you kind of partition off your, your energy to a bit. And when you, when you get ready and go out and do the gaming and the gaming is over and then you come back and it, it seems to, it seems to isolate that a little bit. And I mean, there might be a lot of stuff going on, but you know, right. I have finished with the gaming now. And it's a different part of your a different part of your life. It's the same way as working from home. Sometimes it just bleeds into the rest of your existence and just seems a bit bit more all-consuming. Looping nicely back to the whole fact that we're all stuck indoors, trying not to die of a horrible coughing plague. So, indeed. Yeah. So we should come up with some fanciful idea that that somebody might or might not, their call, make into a game.
0: Well, I have such an idea. Awesome. John has also had such an idea. Also awesome. And in a very John way was able to figure out how to do the idea that I couldn't, which is both gratifying that somebody figured out how to do it and intensely annoying because it wasn't me. (laughs) But I'm not bitter. That last bit was a lie.
1: Mm. Um,
0: How about you? I've got a
1: sort of an idea. It's a bit. It's a bit. I'll say off-piste because it kind of is. But we'll we we'll, we will see. Fair
0: enough. I had trouble coming up with something for this, uh, but I eventually, I eventually did it. Sort of. It occurred to me that Power Drift sounds like the title of some sort of bad car-based action movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. So let's run with that. I, in fact. If it isn't,
1: that's because I don't understand terms associated with cars.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. It, it very much sounds like a, a car, car based action movie. I did briefly think about could you come up with something to do with like superpowers, sort of people's superpowers drifting across the group, but then realise that is basically the second Fantastic Four film from my hazy memory. Uh, so it's kind of been done. To kind of make it a little bit more interesting than just, okay, so we're playing a game with cars, because that's, well, Octane springs unerringly to mind as a game with cars. You can also throw in the idea of the power drift being the way that control, influence, or power shifts from one organization to another Mm -hmm. over time. And so the setting I'm thinking of kind of has... I'm not thinking full-on Car Wars or Octane. I'm not thinking society has completely collapsed, but I am thinking that the the whole process of, of urbanization has increased, that the places outside of the city really aren't that much under the control of the forces of law and order anymore. They're not 100% safe, uh, if they ever were. And things like the hijacking of goods transport and ground transport in particular, is very much a growth industry. So anybody who is good enough to hijack a cargo or take a cargo from a moving transport without the sort of mass carnage or uh, or attention that would get an actual presumably heavily armed response from the forces of law uh, is quite valued. Anybody who could protect a cargo against that thing from happening is also quite valued and given the somewhat shifting nature of the gig economy a crew who could do both roles depending on what was going on are very much in a position to write their own ticket and also depending on which way they go probably sway the balance of power between either large companies or depending on how big we go potentially cities okay so i'm getting the the
1: the idea of almost fortified or at least you know patrolled city states with you know tracts of disheveled rundown se- uh, sections of, of of country between them where unfortunate stuff
0: happens and there are there are highwaymen for for what of a better term pretty much yeah i i get the, i have this vague memory that 2000 ad Probably touched on this at some point. At least in the Judge
1: Dredd setting, the 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 cursed Earth basically exists between these gigantic conurbations, as they describe them these these entire these aggregate cities. But they were entirely lawless hellscapes with you know mutation and raiders and so forth. And there wasn't a lot. There was there was the occasional groups that decided that they could they could make it on on their own out there in, in the wilds. There wasn't so much like regular transportation. I think most of that stuff happens like sub sub orbitally. So, gotcha. yeah, it was, it, there okay, was there was yeah there were caravans, but they were generally going somewhere to attempt to set something up. And I get the impression A lot of them just were, were being sold, being being sold lots of um, goods, and then sent off to perish in the wastes. It's was more of a subsidy program for mutants. Yeah, uh, mm. there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, this one, I kind of, I kind of view it as. If you were a small operator, you could yeah you you could send a truck with a couple of guys with shotguns, and that would be an acceptable if elevated level of risk. Like it's probably going to be okay, but the bigger and more important your your cargo is, and the bigger and and more expensive your operation is, it's more likely that somebody who's a little bit organised might decide to take a shot. So there's. An elevated level of lawlessness, but it's not gone completely to pieces. But no. on the other hand, these sort of small towns along the way are probably in the situation of, yeah, cool, Yeah, we, we used to sell fuel to the, um, fuel and supplies to, to these big sort of shipping companies, but, well, they've all gone electric now. Uh, they don't really have any use for us. They just barrel through at 200 miles an hour.
1: as usual i have have to suggest is that Mm -hmm. possibly the that the transport is all entirely um, automated these aren't these aren't they're similar to the um the automated like no cab trucks that you see in um wolverine Yeah, so like the cab is i can't recall the cab is either it's either in just like a foot or two in front of the trailer um, and like completely flat and kind of sinister looking, or it was just all entirely underneath, or just barely protrudes from the fronts, and they're just screaming along, minimally aware aware of where the road is, but otherwise minimally aware of, of, of their surroundings. So it's it's possible that the um, the powers that be have sealed themselves up inside the cities. They still they still need to move bulk goods, and the roads are relatively the roads are still relatively intact. But they're not relying on feeble, corruptible humans. They're basically sending convoys of, of you know, with, with 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 drone escorts and um, autonomous semis around because it, this does seem like an American scenario. Just saying, it is you know yeah. based on you know car wars and and the way that you know wagon trains and so forth existed in, in previous incarnations, and clearly the source that that's a source of potential illegitimate but very very uh very useful income to people stuck on the outskirts and maybe maybe the thing is yeah maybe the it's not so much a we we knock a tree down we blow up a bridge and we trap them it's like we keep the roads in good good in good nick but we also intercept some of the goods going through and then take a bit of a tax off of them Mm. So yeah, it's it's more of a hacking job than a um, than a outright brigandry.
0: Yeah, and I I kind of see it as, and it would depend on which which bits of the thing you wanted to focus on, but yeah, you could certainly fit this nicely into cyberpunk or shadow mm. You could probably get a decent apocalypse engine sort of game out of it, maybe mm. not
1: full on apocalypse world. I mean, it's you could you could absolutely you could actually ha- absolutely create an apocalypse world setting where there are automated trains of of untold riches blatting backwards and forwards on the roads outside of your your little huddled community, but it mm. would it wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be for you. They would be something quite alien, probably. And you know it could be definitely birthday making it would be less a part of it would be less of a focus of the world it would be a feature and there might be something that happens to do with those sort of things because the the principles around apocalypse world at least as well I've read them is that there are constant threats and mm. very limited resources so uh, that these things would not exist to be a a, a source of food or goods. They would be something that exists there for you to either enrage the um, city state or AI controlling them because you did something yeah it's more of a how the feature that would play in the story yeah they are potentially the thing to avoid or yeah or they, they would they would become a thing that becomes an issue
0: true yes if if somebody in your area has decided to take on one of these things and hey that's great. So we're all going to get waffle-stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the um, that, in in that sort of setting, that would be the kind of thing. It's not. It would certainly. It could be a feature, but they would. It would be the how it writes the rest of the story. That would be different. Um, so yeah, if you but if there was certainly that you're setting up a kind of a dynamic for if if that is the focus, if raiding road trains possibly you know taking their um, their their senses offline, but not you know blinding them to where the road is, and um extracting cargo is is the thing it could be it certainly would be a, a challenging kind of a heist um or mm. an interesting kind of a kind of or e- even you know just getting from one place to another making making it a, make it basically being a, a a riding the rails but the rails are all robo trucks would be an interesting kind of feature there i guess as you said if you were going to have it to be part of a focus of the game it would be uh, your you're changing the patterns and balance of how the world works how how power is distributed but yeah i guess you'd probably want to graduate up from just kind of like pickpocketing the passers-by to something a bit more serious in that case so yeah it would be a different sort of it would be a different paradigm again
0: Hmm. yeah you you could have a bit of um i mean you could basically steal whole wholesale from the Train job episode of Firefly with, okay, you grab a cargo, possibly the one that you've been put on to by somebody else, and then discover that it is one hundred percent not the sort of thing you wanted to be stealing, and you put yourself on the wrong side of a situation by doing so. Yeah, there's there's some fun to be had with that.
1: Yeah, again, these these are good things to insert into games. I'm less seeing the the w the the wise and wherefores of a larger campaign. I, I like I like the idea of the the gig economy stuff. And they in the third seasons of West third Season of Westworld, they leave the park, which, to everyone's chagrin apparently. And the world outside they start by implying that people have no more control over their lives than that than the hosts do inside the park. Uh, but hmm. one of one of the things that people use to supplement their income is an app called Rico, which is basically crymar It's like a crime it's, it's accept job go do crime and it's kind of it's very vulgar and and insults you if you consider not doing a crime it but it's an interesting version of the the gig economy where you meet random kind of operatives in your field and do work and sort of like but it's a it's like a random it's a hookup app for you know criminals <laughs> so it's, a, huh. it's an interesting an interesting piece of piece of world fiction there yeah so that would be it would be intriguing as well and the idea that your your techno hoods could possibly be either the caravan guards or the people hijacking the caravans makes another sort of commentary it sounds like again it's a, a feature of a of, of a larger world
0: yeah interesting <clears throat> i mean it's possibly possibly tapping into that whole thing of I think it was the, the, the Romero movie Land of the Dead where mm. you had this whole thing of people basically people busting their asses to buy themselves a place in the the nice, secure, wonderful city mm. and the twist being, yeah, that's never gonna happen. Right. That you've potentially got the same circumstance here of yeah, cool, we'll build up our 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 sort of web of favours and our money, and we'll be able to 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 buy ourselves a place in in one of these big city states. No, you won't. They'll tell you that you can, but right. no, you won't.
1: There's no there's no there's no part there's no rocket ship to Elysium. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And yeah, the reason that the the sort of the, the the shift between people guarding caravans and people raiding caravans is is so easy is that from the point of view of the guys in the city, there's really not a lot of difference. You're just disposable gig workers at best. Or there is a lot of
1: conflicting interests. And it's like, maybe the the road trains are merely a transport layer. But different people are sending different things on different shipments. So you've got to, we need you to take this one out. But we don't want you to disrupt the whole network. So this is how we are controlling it. And they're basically, they're just layers upon layers upon layers. And of course, all of the um, actual power and resources is get gets funneled up to the folks controlling it while you guys do all this horrifically dangerous work at 120 miles an hour on a uh, a barely maintained um freeway
0: somewhere indeed yeah interesting the, 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 yeah the yeah the the, the sort of situation that once people figure that out they're gonna be a mite pest oh of course oh of course <laughs> and who doesn't love that story
1: <laughs> I suspect, I however that that's going to be a lot of uh, automated trains loaded with expl- uh, um, road trains loaded with explosives being delivered on time um, so get that's a certain that's a certain vibe I gotta say it does have there, there is a there is a wave to catch there
0: hmm yeah it, it, it would depend on the the approach but
1: hmm interesting
0: I, I am kind of liking the idea and admittedly this works far better in a movie of uh, kind of there's like four towns along this route that have suddenly just gone completely dark. Yeah, we'll send out some drones to, to 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 see what's going on. It's just, yeah, you know, the towns are completely devoid of people, but there are these huge piles of boxes there because they basically just loaded everybody into the truck, and those people are now living in your city. <laughs> yeah, let us know how that works out for you because they're pissed.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: anyway. Yeah which is very much shades of and the zombie and and then the zombies ate everybody but yeah.
1: well it, it's kind of an analogous to I can't remember what the episode was but the idea of the the we had for like gigantic automated farms and you know with 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 beefy security bots and so forth but people sneaking in and trying to uh, to co-opt and um basically living a hunter gatherer life underneath a, a high tech threat so yeah, let's okay. get see that. Hmm. Okay.
0: Cool. Cool. So that's
1: where I went. mm mm-hmm. So my idea is a little bit, a little bit off the the beaten track, as it were. The notion I had was a scenario where, out some somewhere in the the, the golden future of space travel, people have of of what in nature have found a really interesting planet, it's relatively low gravity very very tight ty- very very subtle or ancient volcanism freezing temperatures and one of those olympus mon styles volcanoes which is like a really really slight but a very very long incline and the the, it, the place has like light methane snow uh, sort of snow and so forth but it means that this this the dome the dome of this volcano is well if you get to the top of it put it foot wrong you will end up sliding for literally kilometers and picking up an an, an egregious amount of speed the thing is a very very it's like a, an inverse um ant lion pet okay people decided this was hilarious and have and, and have decided that that to come up with a sport where you take a great big chunk of water ice get a crew get a bunch of of assemblable equipment and tools and then you get a bunch of the these these sets of teams and you race and because of the size of the 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 the, 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 the level of gravity the not quite absence of friction these big blocks of ice start slow moving relatively slowly during which time the teams are busily accept, uh, uh, assembling like rudders for you know, for, for, you know tail rudders and air dams and spoilers so that they can keep the 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 right amount of pressure on the surface beneath them. And an emergency emergency drogue chute because when you start to run out of frictionless uh slope, you start running into all the things that fell down the frictionless slope and are now banked around in a in a, in a huge circle around this suspiciously symmetrical cone.
0: Ah the debris field as it were yes yes basically yes the uh, effectively the the
1: the equivalent of the the their asteroid belt <laughs> right or the, the the oort cloud because we're all that stuff that that has filtered out of the uh, system and the idea is that uh, i'd probably uh, I I'm, I'm quite enamored with the idea of games having certain structured stages and the idea that we, you you would basically have there is it'd be, it'd be kind of like i think the idea might be that the thing is, is a Le mans start everyone gets a identical flat-topped but slope but but angled and slightly indented slightly concave to to match this suspiciously symmetrical mountain they'd get identical iceberg chariot things but there's a Le mans start they have to carry all of the gear up get on there we've got a limited amount of time to do that and at the end of that point at the end of that period they're allowed to release and start their path carrying down the mountain and it's it the picks up speed gradually but eventually mm. they want to be able to be in a position where they're not going to get sucked off of the berg by the the screaming wind they've got they've got options about steering themselves because you know catching a even subtle rise or something might see you become airborne for entirely too much time mm. and yeah and it's because it's all the the um it's all based on weight and what you when what you've assembled initially everything would be quite even but you don't want to be too far or you don't want to be you don't want to get too far behind or in front and there's a bit of there's a bit of like america's cup sailboat racing going on you don't want to be forced in a situation where you have to take an evasive ev- maneuver because that mm. will lose you time and yeah so and the idea that the mechanic I was thinking of was basically you get a, you get sets of cards which where you where you can say all right we're going to spend our time doing this thing and when you when 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 you accomplish this thing say you've got say you okay all right we've got the capacity to break subtly or to change direction subtly or the, this is work towards you know to drilling in and reinforcing the drogue chute so we don't all just explode when we get to where the, the place where it actually flattens out. When you when you take those actions, you're basically inserting possible negative um, events into a, into a, into a pile, So you randomise them. But because it's a it's a it's a tense racing narrative, stuff goes wrong. Like, and part of that is what your 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 um, your, your nearest rival is doing, and you come up with stories about how you deal with the problems. Or part of the thing be a spotter who's looking down the slope for. The subtle indications that you know that, that there is a, a rare patch of texture ahead, mm. or that your um, rivals are planning something sneaky, and the idea would you'd be you'd be playing it inevitably because it would be weird and dull if nothing if nothing exciting happened. You would be basically setting up possible events to happen to yourself as you go forward.
0: A mm. couple of things come immediately to mind. Mm-hmm. Couple of things that come to mind. There is the card based RPG Zombie World, mm-hmm. which might be worthwhile for sort of mining for mechanics or at least mechanical approaches because it does have this whole thing of you've got a deck of cards, the randomizing element is drawing from this deck. Mm. The other thing is a bicycle racing game called Flom Rouge. Okay. Which is. Well, all about bicycle racing, obviously. And it has it also has a mechanic that would seem to be in this wheelhouse because in that one you basically have the opportunity to stack the deck that you yourself are drawing from. Yep. Yeah. Which is kind of what I'm getting from what what you're um from what you're saying that you don't know exactly when cards are going to come up, but over the course of the game, you start. Yeah, you know, it's a bit like blackjack. You start to get a better idea of what's left mm. and what's in there.
1: And part of I think part of the randomi the randomization would be that your your efforts mean that you're kind of you're you're kind of choosing your own doom, after a fashion. But you don't know exactly when it's turning up. So that would allow that rather than it being like a linear track it says like you know uh, turn three something falls off your your berg or there oh no there is there is, there is a an obstacle you've got to avoid it means that yes those things are out there you just don't know exactly when they're coming in just to give a bit of variety and say <clears throat> your iceberg uh, de- develops a weird a weird crack in it in the first turn as opposed to in the last turn has a different feeling there's a different there's a different sort of level of tension is it it's like ah shit we've got to deal with this this weird structural fault the whole way down the race so we're 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 constantly there's something we have to do about that or oh good or it's a good thing we spotted that now so we can deal with it or holy shit it's all falling apart and we're near we're nearly at the finish line kind of thing so it you can have the same sort of events and they but they they have a different dramatic and narrative weight at different parts of the story and somehow I, i feel like indirectly choosing that or even having the opportunity to choose those sorts of things—something I'm really enjoying in gaming at the moment. So it's like you can like to say, "Ah, this is why I suck." When you're you're playing a, a narrative game, rather than, well, I guess I suck when the dice mm. tell you. <laughs> yeah, it seems like so it sounds like you're describing something as a bit deck ability, which is cool. That that would be a fair, that would it would be neat if we could if you could work that out as kind of a all right. We know that we've got we, we're focused on getting maneuverability cards into our hands so that but because of that we've got some that we're probably going to face some structural issues or we won't be able to deal with the structural issues as well mm. so yeah that would be yeah you know, that, that's interesting
0: yeah yeah I mean I'm thinking about things like you know as, as you say I'm sort of in the first turn finding that you've drifted into the pa- in yeah into the track so that you're effectively. You've drifted into the trail of another competitor. Yeah. In the first turn, not that big a deal. Like, you can probably shout insults at each other. Mm. Halfway down the track, okay, so you're in their track, and it's probably going to be a little bit easier to go. You have no idea what happened to those guys. <laughs> or, or what they're planning to hur- hurl off the back of their berg. Yeah. yeah if they've figured out that you're um, you're in their track they potentially, depending on what they've done, have the opportunity to sort of steer towards one of those subtle rises, move aside at the last minute and let you go sailing into uh, oblivion. Mm, mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and at the last,
1: and if it's the last thing, the, the fact that you're, you're, you're about to deploy the parachutes and hope, that your parachutes work at least as well as they, theirs do at the same time. So, but still, mm. you're, you're also, you've also, you'd also be either having difficulties leaving the track or you would lose speed doing so, but you're definitely going to come in second.
0: Yeah, or, no, yeah, you're not going
1: to win. <laughs> or you come and conjoin second and first exploded mass of ice. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It could be very bad for everybody. Indeed, that's an interesting one. Yeah, and I don't know where I came up with this idea because I'm not a I'm not a winter sports guy. I seriously did snowboarding once, and I was exhausted, cold, frustrated, and bad. I, I suspect that's normal for doing it once, but it didn't appeal enough to me to go back and do it a second time.
0: From my experience, that is what the first day of snowboarding is like, no matter how good you are.
1: Yeah, and I'm not,
0: but yeah, day. Day one of snowboarding, or possibly just day one of the season, always sucks. Yeah. That's my understanding from people who do a lot more snowboarding than I ever did. Yeah, I just didn't see the upsides at all, so... <laughs> yeah, fair call. Gets better on the second day, but if you really hated the first day, then yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Is like, that would have been an exercise in making the suck suck less,
1: but there was no upside to it. So I could also make the suck, suck less by not doing it. Eh.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the, yeah. <laughs> I, I see. I see. I see the logic. I I can, as it were, follow the, the, the trail of this particular iceberg.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: I see what I did there.
1: Hmm. I see. I see.
0: Eh, nice. <laughs> that is true. Every every yes, every crew would have to have a terrible terrible ice or iceberg pun for their team name.
1: Hmm. and making it like a a grand prix season of of weird iceberg racing i don't don't know where the notion came from though it's kind of a i i think we did discuss the olympus mons and the idea that you know you could you know
0: trip and roll a couple of (laughs) hundred miles um yeah from memory because i i used to have somewhere a map showing the gradient of olympus mons and because the thing, the thing's nearly thirty miles high, it's just, but it's the size of Arizona. Yeah. So it's it's a mountain you can't see when you're standing on it. It's it's like a plane, but it's, it's like weirdly in, inclined. Yeah, and and not actually that inclined for mm. most of it. I think there's escarpments at the bottom on one side that are like cliffs a kilometer high. I think the actual caldera is like once you got up to the edge of it, you'd sort of be going sort of trompy, trompy, tromp, with no particular indication that you were going uphill, up until the point where suddenly you're standing at the top of a really big cliff. But this is from hazy memory. So yeah, if you were, if you were going down there on a, a skateboard, it would take a really long time. You would pick up some speed eventually. It's just yeah. like not not a not
1: wildly. Not, the point I think the idea is eventually that would be. Speed
0: equals too fast. <laughs> Indeed, too much speed. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Indeed, very cool. All right. So, and and yeah, we've got you. You, you pitched a sports game.
1: Oh god, no, that, that's not yeah. right. <laughs>
0: yeah. You all heard it here, folks. So John has a pitch. Unsurprisingly, given the the the, the prompt, uh, his also has a a. a Sports and vehicle sort of setup up and uh, runs as follows. Took a bit to come up with an idea and then it hit me. Let's combine two movies into one game. Tokyo Drift meets Speed Racer. The players represent a racing team. The driver, the team manager, the mechanic, the pit boss and the pit team. Not every role needs a player, but having at least one in each role gives you a better chance of winning. Like Speed Racer, there's a goal to race to win the, insert name here, cup. To get there, the team has to rack up enough points to qualify. The points system is simple, every race will have 10 participants, and you score the inverse of your final ranking. If you come in third, you score 8 points. Come in last, you score 1. Them being players, I expect them to place in the top 3. And even more like Speed Racer, the vehicles are all tricked out with legal and illegal modifications. So also a little bit like some years in Formula 1, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a hazy era. I don't think they have, like, saw blades springing out the, spring out the side of them. It's more like some sort of modification of the carburetor that hasn't been um, approved yet.
0: <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't got the saw blades, bit yet where anybody can see them. <laughs> the player's characters have to make the choice of playing by the rules and using the legal mods. Think the Mark V's set up. I, I don't know what that means.
1: I think they're like a, it's like a spring-loaded skis like to allow them to bounce over things
0: okay i haven't actually seen speed racer i should at some point but yeah yeah
1: uh the wakowski movie is bewildering but very colorful
0: hmm i have seen a burlesque show where somebody did a speed racer um inspired bit that's as far as i've gone that, that, that's all fair I've enough fair enough so the players have the have to make the choice of playing by the rules and using the legal mods, such as the Mark 5 setup, or go the low route like Dick Dastardly and cheat. Get caught, getting caught cheating is an automatic forfeit of the rate and loss of points. Skills will include car foo, navigation for those times you have to do a rally from Mumbai to Bangalore, to nuclear vehicle mechanic. Yes, all the vehicles have small fusion reactors, how else would they have enough power to go 300km an hour and do all the tricks that they've got? <laughs> of course... There are the off-track shenanigans that they have to deal with. From the nonjas, to the evil rich guy that wants you to take a dive in one race. Own oh, romance if you want to. Each session would be a different race, or the pre-race, where you get your vehicle in shape, though you could just montage that if you wanted to. Running the actual race can be as simple or as convoluted as you want. From the driver just making a series of opposed rolls to the entire team working to assist or prevent the other team from cheating. Really depends on the system. You can also go the Doc Savage route, where the driver is an NPC, and it's up to the team supporting him to make all the necessary rolls for him to win. Hmm. And if the system uses XP or bennies or yum-yums, you can earn them by doing combo manoeuvres like power drift around the tight bend and at the same time pass the car in front of you, or tweak the reactor so that you give the driver a one-time plus three boosts on the straightaway, with only a one-in-six chance of blowing the engine, to... Using your superb charisma, you distract the opposing driving team's driver long enough that they don't leave the starting line on time.
1: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I like the. Um, the it was a very efficient way to just to merge the um, move, merge those two uh, properties together like that. then it makes sense. And it, it, forgive me for hacking back to Blades and Dark yet again. The idea of having a like a, again set out the the. A session partition to the setup the race, etc into various sections would be it would be interesting and having the um the balance the tricky part of the balance would be making sure that all of the the players have something to do the uh, the idea that you know possibly the um driver is like the nPC figurehead effectively that is quite interesting and you know, it kind of hacks back to our um bo- bond behind the scenes kind of idea mm. though it would sacrifice a bunch of, or at least um, it would. It would change the dynamic. You have the driver being this hot-blooded, either like ego-driven or or disciplined, this really focused character. But they also have all these bizarre emotional or romantic entanglements. It would be it would be a shame to not throw that sort of thing in because that could be quite exciting.
0: Mm. Yeah, throwing in the emotional romantic entanglements is quite fun yeah because you you want like rivalries
1: or you know flirtations big, because they're, they're big personality types regardless mm. of what they're what they're i mean that's that's i mean that's the you know your athletic hero archetype is you know there, there are even some of them who are like super super controlled almost robotic kind of laser focused individuals they, they've got a type and if that if mm. they, if they the, when that's disrupted or when that they're, they're, they're thrown off their their performance is obviously going to be affected kind of thing and that's kind of a narrative of sports and and that sort of ideal so the uh, and so it would be it would be a shame to lose that but i also see the idea that you're working furiously as the like the um well the the whatever the equivalent of avionics is for um fusion powered racing cars and um organizing the the, the pit crew and making sure that the driver is knows where 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 the uh, the next pit stop stops going to be there's kind of be a um it would be an interesting would mean that everyone has plenty to do as opposed to the driver who is you know the point man
0: making a dry, drive roll, if you so yeah I mean, mm. the, the more I think about this the more I do like the idea of the driver being being this somewhat abstracted NPC. hmm um I also kind of like the fact that the, you know, if you've got the team has all of the, these, these roles, but then you've got the sort of the emotional and romantic and other stuff that are affecting the driver and maybe the team as well, that is kind of smeared out across all of them. Hmm. So you've kind of, everybody's kind of got two jobs. They've got their racing job. Yeah. But they've also got the dealing with the weird. The, the, the extra shit job
1: yeah the, the, there's so there's a there's a, like a mechanical a mechanical role and like a emotional team unity role and mm. you know there's 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 things that come up and you know if you've got certain kind of relationships already established it's like you know, the, the the manager tell you rocket you've got to focus remember when we were training and blah and do the inspirational speech and so forth, and you know, so they can, they can, you can help offset an issue or help them, help them catch up or something like that. So yeah, it'd be kind, of, it would be, it'd be kind of interesting if the normally the GM is playing the driver, and they're really good at driving, but just a tiny bit of a basket case. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, I mean, the 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 fusion reactor doing three hundred kilometres now. <laughs> not not so much of a shock probably. <laughs> it, take, it
0: takes a special sort of childhood damage. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed.
1: Sure, the the the, the pace good and and you're you're you perceived as being a, a handsome sexual dynamo, but you know <laughs> terrible nihilistic wreck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It kind of a would be kind of an interesting thing is sort of literally uh, the support crew is very much got all of these 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 tasks they need to keep up on maintaining the the information about the race and the status of the vehicle and so forth but you know mostly their job is to make sure that the uh, the driver doesn't um come unhinged
0: <laughs> i apologize in advance for saying this but i'm going to say it anyway just have have the idea of the driver sort of saying look i'm just like everybody else like yeah, i i get up in the morning i Put on my my, my racing leathers and I stick a decimator badge to the um you know to to the back of my pants just like everyone else. Like, yeah, Dave. No, nobody else does that. No, you're, you're the only ones who. Does that. <laughs> you're the only one who's driving around on top of a reactor. Yes, and and the i. It'd
1: be interesting if the. It would be kind of fun though if the GM plays based on the rules and the 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 type of character. Like if they're like just this massive egotist or they're really technical and focused, but, you know, it's like there there is a rattle in the cockpit. Why is there a rattle? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> their their, their, their composure is shattered by this tiny thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah interesting. Who has adjusted my cup holder? <laughs> Why is my cup? My cup holder is an inch too low. What is going on?
1: Mm. Yeah, and the idea that the GM gets to play these slightly dreadful archetypes and the, the, for the, the players to to manage them because you know honestly sometimes that, that that's what you know being in a role playing game is like you're trying to pander to some crazy madman who thinks he's a god and um, get your characters through the the scenario.
0: I have actually played in that specific game. <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. That no, somebody's actually mechanically induced that, rather than your um, dyspeptic teenage um, AD and D games where people were constantly being murdered by falling um, ten by ten by ten block squares.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. In this case, it it you know it literally was the GM playing somebody who gone completely insane and thought they were a god.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, nice to know it happens in fiction as well as real life.
0: Indeed. Also, when the the person who th- thinks they're a god is going on about their, their, their wondrous powers, don't ask for a demonstration. That was yes. a mistake. Yes. Shouldn't have done that. Should not have done that. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, there was it was a, a bit more conversation between uh, myself and John about sort of kind of how to map things out. Because mm. me being me, I kind of had the idea of, well, how, how, do, you, how do you kind of map out the, the course without going the full-on... Um, all right, I'll get out the rulers. Who's got the turn templates? Ah, like car was pretty much. And John sort of came back and suggested that uh, he, he would he would abstract the hell out of it. Have a a tote board where you're basically keeping track of where the players' car is in different points of the race, uh, with the suggested levels of in the lead, hot on the tail, middle of the pack, and tail gunner Charlie. And as far as uh, tracks, he was thinking. Not NASCAR, more Le Mans or Formula One, where you've actually got to turn in more than one direction and have, like, tricky, windy bits. And also pointing out the the exciting possibility of uh, rally races. So, multi-day events Mm. uh, over, say, 1,600 kilometres or so, or something like Paris-Dakar. Yeah. These... Yeah, these these sorts of events where you're basically your crew is either driving through the night or flying ahead to be at the next point, and you've got to plan very seriously for how many engines you're going to blow over the course of the event. <laughs> Especially if it's an, an engine that you, if the necessitates launching
1: into space, if it's going to do anything unusual.
0: <laughs> Good point. Yeah, when 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 blowing an engine means okay, so somebody's got a big glass circle now. <laughs> That'll look nice. Shiny. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did the track used to be that shiny? No, it did not. Oh.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Cool. No, I like it. I like it. And especially I'm tickled by the idea of the GM rather than playing like a world full of, of wacky characters. They play one wacky character that the, uh, the players are trying to manage to get through a, um, a, a scenario like this.
0: Hmm. That is quite fun.
1: Yes. you different, certainly.
0: I mean, I do like the idea of trying to throw in at some point the the, the sort of a knight's tale trick of, okay, so the driver is actually unconscious. Uh, We have three minutes before the race starts. What are we going to do? Who can fit the helmet? You don't have to win. You just have to be sitting in the vehicle when the flag drops. Okay. And so there was... One other thing that came to us from John, from the imaginatively titled John on Protein Squirrels. Yes.
1: John John related to his, uh, in response to his own. Yeah, this was a John. No, this was a your one, wasn't it? John came up with the very disturbing, um, the, the slap-happy, genetically modified monkey squirrel things. Mascots. Yeah, yeah mascots. Escaped,
0: escaped mascots right. because their behavior chips had gone offline.
1: Hmm. And John says, I sort of imagine the Slap App to be about a meter tall and there is some variation between them. They play play to type. The smart squirrel, the dumb one, the strong one. So every boy band ever, basically. There's a reason they exist. It's it, there's a stroke. And you said, I'm very taken with the idea of them hijacking some utterly impractical vehicle in their bed for freedom. A ferry. A train. Bonus points if they're desperately trying to make passengers believe that everything is fine, it's all part of an advertising campaign which explicably involves mascots and oversized Amtrak uniforms. That would be darling, I must say. That would really be that would be quite quite good. John responds with Well, in the scenario in my head, they had a bus that took them to different venues. As tour buses go, prison buses have more amenities. Only wow. mascots live in the bus. The handlers get a motel room. So hijacking an autonomous bus, convincing it that they are valid operators, would be a fun thing for them to try. Back to Craig. Dave, the only way to get the bus started is with the operator's thumbprint, and the operators are all locked in the cages. Yep. But you got us on the road anyway. Absolutely. Dave, what's that thing saying? A cup of ice. You. And a final rejoinder from John. It also begs the question of how much security is on the bus. Is Foodco paranoid enough to put trackers or cameras on or they simply go, they're chipped, what can they do? The exit door will trigger a negative reinforcement shock, as will the bus's computer. Never ascribe competence to a company that pays minimum wage to two guys in charge of handling genetically modified monkeys that made to look like squirrels. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That is uh, one of the myriad of problems with that. <laughs> with that <set> up. But <laughs> certainly a valid one. Yeah, and I realise that the name is not a million miles away from Slappy the Squirrel, and the idea of these meter tall squirreloid things roaming around that look a bit like Slappy, who is a a hyper sarcastic, quite violent homage to traditional Warner Brothers violent rodents it's pretty I'm terrifying
0: i'm not sure i
1: know slappy the squirrel slappy the squirrel they had a bit on the animaniacs okay and it was it as with the writing on that show it was pretty sharp and she was like this eh, what are you gonna do kind of grouchy old that's starting to ring a bell veteran of the um of the original the a supposed run of cartoons from the good old days and she like got bitter old rivalry slash working relationships you know or normal working relationships with some of the old characters and if somebody you know uh, was rude or un- unpleasant to her or her or her-, her, grands- her grandson who was a squeaky little chipper fellow dynamite would generally result okay yeah so yeah that would be um, that would be pretty fun yeah still a disturbing tale just oh on yeah so many levels <laughs>
0: Fantastic, fantastically disturbing. I mean, even worse if you want if you start to wonder whether okay, so even if we assume that the the party is the entire troupe of slap Happy the squirrels, has the company done other mascots for other marketing campaigns? What happens if when the uh when these these monkey squirreloids make their bid for freedom and they find themselves a setup, they decide to go and um do a spot of genetically engineered civil rights and um uh try to free their brethren. Indeed. I really can't imagine it's gonna go well, but um it's gonna be entertaining.
1: And and also are they all like just cutesy mascots, or do you have like the um like the genetically engineered honey badger Saffir
0: division <laughs> 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 oh I mean, you can have some great fun for sort of episode, as it were season season two of, an, of a campaign as it was sort of season one the um, you yeah, know the slap happies escape and, and build themselves a home in the wilderness season two they decide to go back into um, back in to rescue some of the others and find out all of the other really weird shit that the company was up to Yes, or they discover that. Yay! Here's our Wilter's home.
1: Wait a minute. Why do I smell genetically engineered wolf? Hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. They had contingency plans, so they're even worse than us. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not great. Uh, um... <laughs> I feel unsafe. Yeah, yeah. That could get um, super fucking dark, pretty fucking quickly.
0: But yes. Oh yeah. You could, you could you yeah you could make this so so dark if you wanted to hmm. it might be difficult to stop it from going so dark to be honest
1: yeah the candy coating has to be very thick <laughs> just to keep, keep it from
0: um toppling into the pit of despair but it's a cool idea indeed and that kind of runs us to the end of what we are laughably calling content for this episode indeed indeed we should let people go back to their uh, back to their lives
1: Um, hopefully enriched and um, relatively enhanced.
0: Filled with a burning desire to make games about shipment hijacking, iceberg racing, (laughs) non-iceberg racing, and or escaped
1: squirrels. I like the way it was kind of like the exact opposite of iceberg. (laughs) Fusion reactor. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. One as fuel for the other. Not so much the other way around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So thank you for listening. Uh, I suppose what's, what's left is to let you know what the topic of our next exciting and thrilling episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. As voted on by you, the public. Yes. Selected with by an
1: arbitrary and slightly arcane metric of all picking the same stuff in equal numbers. But I suppose we should tell people soon.
0: I see what you're doing here.
1: Yeah, but no one else does until you actually say what what the thing's going to be.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I, I assumed that you were going to say it as opposed to just sitting there sort of commenting malevolently.
1: Yes, indeed, yes. You've probably figured out if you've been following malevolent immediacy. Uh, I think a phrase which came directly from my own um, anxiety about stuff and time. So, um, if I'm not misremembering it, we'll be the prompt for our next episode. It's a, as ambiguous as all get out. I guess we are going to have to really engineer something for this one, I, I think.
0: Yeah, we're going to draw on what laughably counts as our A-game for this one, then hope that John comes up with something better. I mean, the odds are good, let's, let's be fair. <laughs> ah, well, it's not a great plan, but it's all we got. <laughs> yeah, it ain't much, but it's honest work. And so with that, thank you for listening, stay safe out there, and we will catch you next time on The Big Red Couch. Indeed. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans?